0: G'day, it's Mick Cullen from the Rotary Wing Show. This audio is what you can call an extra from our normal interview series that I'm going to slip into the podcast feed and I'll tell you why in a moment. I'll jump into a disclaimer right up front though. The audio quality in parts is not great as I was recording this from sitting in the audience, but my suggestion is to persevere in the rough bits as there's some really interesting stuff in the discussion. To set the scene, this is recorded on the 29th of May 2016 on the last day of the Rotatech Expo on the Sunshine Coast here in Australia. Joanna Osborne is the uh, Chief Pilot and Chief Flying Instructor at Rotary at Airways Aviation. She's just given a presentation uh, titled Global Vision and Insight into the Writing of our Part 142 application about Airways Aviation's approach to training and she talked about their experience in trying to conform with a new Regulatory requirements that are being rolled out in Australia that govern a flying training, in particular the writing of an operations manual to meet the new CASA format. So, this will mainly be of interest to Australian listeners. However, those of you overseas, I'm sure you can take away some insights that you can apply closer to home in your own industries. It is really interesting insight into some of the background things that are happening at the industry representation level and at the regulator. If the discussion just stayed in the room and we didn't share it further, then I think there'd be a lot of people in the dark about some of the things that are happening at the moment and perhaps some pessimism about things aren't getting better when they do actually seem to be moving forward, if slowly, for the Australian industry. The main voices you'll hear in order are Ray Cronin, the vice president of the Australian Helicopter Industry Association. Ray's also the founder and managing director of Kestrel Aviation. Next up is Rob Walker who's the Stakeholder Engagement Group Manager from CASA, and Rob Rich, who's the AHIA Secretary. There are a couple of abbreviations or industry speak mentioned that I'll give you a heads up on. Uh, part 141 and 142 are the regulations that cover uh, flight training organisations, the difference in very broad terms being the complexity of the training offered, with part 142, schools being able to offer, uh, provided additional ratings. NPRMs is Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. MOZ refers to the Manual of Standards. And Part 61 is the part of the regulations that prescribes the requirements and standards for the issue of uh, flight crew licenses, ratings, authorizations, and the rules for logging of uh, flight time. So with all that out of the way, we pass over to Ray Cronin, Vice President of the AHIA, as he takes the microphone for an impromptu session on regulation in the Australian flying industry. AHIA,
1: helipad expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Mike Runan. those who don't know me, uh, I'm the founder and uh, owner of Kestrel Aviation, the RockyCon Line. We've been in business for 31 years. And uh, Harry with Arakawa, who's there, I gave his instructor rating, I think, 25 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I said, he had to do some solo, a little bit of filling in the end. I said, Oh, Harry, go and do a couple of orders. You know, And I mean power recoveries. So I walk out, and here's Harry, his Bell 47, fluttering down on <laughs> <What> the <hell>? ground. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Shit! <laughs> I didn't mean touchdowns. We don't do, don't do that at level. Anyway, he Came in half an hour later and said, Oh, good. <laughs> 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 but Eight months ago, we went into the national press and said to all the companies, withdraw your application for 141, 142, and 145. We did that because our phones were ring hot, people wasting time and money, in line with what Joan is saying. It's a heap of work, heap of resource, taking, we think it's one of the biggest safety cases that have been. Evident in a long time in this industry, taking key personnel away from their core functions, writing up green pasture documents and bullshit. Excuse the French. <laughs> we want those people doing their jobs that they're there for. We said to CASA we need templates. We don't want guidelines. We don't want everyone, as Jeff said yesterday, and it's in line with our conversations and. That we've had over the last two years. We don't want everyone inventing a different model because it costs us a fortune to try and approve. They don't have the people, they don't have the expertise to approve the documents. You've been working on it for a long time, you know, Mike Beck spent nearly $200,000 trying to get his 142 through. It's just garbage. We need a template for the industry. Put your logo on the head of them for get it in and make it happen. I was in the air traffic services 40 years ago. I am pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a provisional airman license. I was the only person ever to have a provisional license to run an airgram console. That'd be paid on. And um, we had inside of uh, every place you went to, whether you were Townsville, Cairns, Melbourne, Sydney, wherever. You had regional instructions. That's the room instructions, how that room worked, because it's different to other places. You had your core responsibilities. I know Rob from Rob's experience here, and we'll talk about Rob and see. But <laughs> <laughs> what we had was, you had your core, this is how the job's done, but shit, it doesn't work here. We've got to do it this way. So let's have a template for 142 and 141, and have your own internal document say, well, we'll do it a little bit differently, but we don't need to go to CASA to get it approved, it's just that our training is a little bit different. You have to go that way, that way, because that lady will complain, so we'll go there and do whatever we need to do. It we, we're an industry that we're very professional, we're all professionals, strive to be professional and strive to be better. However, we, where's I going to this, sorry. I don't have any notes. by the way. I'm out um, of So we, we in, in general, we're very good at what we do. So we should trust to, to, to do that. Um, now, whether you say we can, you often help the industry, CASA should buy that of it. If that's a template, buy it. It's cheaper for CASA to do that than reinvent better. Some of the training stuff we've seen from CASA is over, way over the top. We had one recently for night VFR with an industry expedition that was sent to me was 14 pages for a night VFR training endorsement. CASA sent me one was 85 pages. Now, it's nuts, it's over the top. So who's got the expertise? Let's keep looking at Rob because I'm gonna... Rob's new to CASA and I'm going to wear him out. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I'm looking forward to a, engagement too. I've got a tough eye a lot of time, so... <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we, we've got to find balance. Right? The regulator's got to regulate, we know that. We're not debating that, but the industry has a lot of professionalism, a lot of expertise. So, Let's not turn our back on that. And Castle recently, our engagement and, and the consultation has been fantastic. It's been ramping up in the last three months. It's like, a, it's like towing an iceberg to get something done. But we are there. We've got the patience of Joe. So we'll hang in there and we'll just keep going until we get what we needed. With Part 6-1 amendments, we, in the last week we signed off on everything, which is a 105-hour course. The only outside and all the other stuff, the proficiency checks, talked. Uh, Jeff talked about yesterday on this slide, it's fantastic. We've got everything we asked for. The only thing we still have outstanding is the instrument training, and I'll, I'll chuck this out to the room, I'd like to hear what your opinion is. Currently there's, in a private pilot licence, there's a requirement for one hour of instrument training. How do you do that? Someone tell me and I'll make We've got a simulator, you've got a simulator, Chopline. line uh, sorry, um, Becca's got a simulator, PHS have got a simulator. Well, what a benefit you can get out of one hour? There's still a requirement, so how the hell does the school comply with that? At the moment, with the commercial license, they're saying, should we do two hours, three hours? And we're saying, no. It's a 10 hour, it's a module. Take it out, it's a module. Go to Chopline. They've got the gear. You can buy that module as a product. And that's the way to do it. Don't kill the Maan Power operations, the Grand Gillies, the. Give me some other Maan Power. Ma there's plenty of them. Yeah, there's stacks of them out there. They're, they're dedicated, passionate people. They offer fantastic Aboriginal training programs. They're one on ones, they're not a threat to you, they're not a threat to PHS and big schools. We, we need to keep them alive and keep them active, especially out in rural areas. To go this. So I guess I'll throw it out to questions and comments. Um, I will do a plug for the association while I'm here. Jeff Boyd yesterday was very, very kind for those who are in the room listening to him supporting our health association. I came in kicking and screaming. I didn't really want to be part of it, but I could see what the implementation. Of the new regulatory reform package was going to do to our industry and do to my business, so um, I was doing for commercial reasons as well as everything else. And it was a disaster. It potentially still is a disaster. I had an article, that was going to be in Friday's Australian, Rob stopped me. And I can buy (laughs) a hook. And what I was saying, as akin to climbing, trying to climb Mount Everest, getting over this regulatory reform package, we're not in the base camp yet. We got glimpses of it. We had a blizzard that was about to engulf us a couple of weeks ago. We got over it by fixing this flight test operation. If we hadn't fixed that, that would have cost this industry tens of millions of dollars. People had no idea what it was going to cost us. We've got it, we've got over it. What we're going to get over now is this part 142, 141 approvals. We've recommended to CASA and to the industry 95% of the organisations fit in 141. It's a much simpler process. You can have elements of instructor training, not VFR training. You don't have to do aviation initial training. You can just do a training course. It's a very simple way of going about it. If you want to be a professional organisation, I'll say professional, I'm not saying the 141s aren't professional, what I'm saying is probably on a bigger scale of professionalism, the job lines, Airways, Aviation, the 142s, Flight Training Adelaide, the Becker um, academies, but they're the people's, people who should go down the 142 line. Does CASA have the right, the expertise to actually determine who should be 142? I don't think so. And that's something I'll take up with Rob. The industry's got that expertise. Cass's deficit's 15 million, am I correct, Rob? Uh, Published publicly, 10 million. 10 million. But they've skulled Yeah. So Cass in the same hurt locker as the rest of us. They don't have a heap of money to throw away. Why do we have to bang our heads against brick wall continually? trying to prove documents that they have no capability of joining. That's why we said stop your applications. Work with us. Work with us. We can come up with it. We'll, we've said, and Rob doesn't know this because he's only been there six weeks, but two years ago we said we have the expertise and we'll give it to you for nothing. It's free. We'll help you. We'll sit beside you. We'll get, this, we'll get these things through so, where are we at? TASA's still trying to do it on their own. They're listening to a fair few of the items we're putting up there. We still travel to Canberra, we give up our time, we pay for our motels, we pay for our airfares. It's all free. But TASA's still employing people to write their own documents, the same people who are architects of 61 and the regulatory form packages that came out. We've got to change that. Who rob's my man. <laughs> 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 While I uh, have a sip of water, because I wasn't bar till fairly late last night, those who are there. Has anyone got any questions about anything, the intent, how uh, that's thinking, how we
2: think, perceive their thinking? I think Brock said the same thing. But, uh, yeah. I, uh, I know I uh, no, asked okay. And uh, I'll, I'll come up front rather than making everyone come back. Um, obviously, I appreciate the comment and the uh, feedback as well. Right? Uh, and it goes without saying that um, part of the reason why I'm up here is I'm new. I'm obviously, new to this side of the fence. I've spent the last nearly eight years uh, at Air Services in the ANSP space, and obviously. Um, from the services side of the fence obviously we're part of the equation but also like you uh, we're also an organisation that was regulated as well so understand uh, a degree of the pain that you've been through. Um, without sort of turning it into a sort of a political uh, conversation any more than uh, we have to first and foremost I agree with you. I think fundamentally uh, I agree with everything that I'm hearing. Um, part of my reason for being and coming on board with CASER is to address these issues because they are issues that have been around for quite some time and are obviously hurting people's operations and their businesses and as you say there's some Ma and pa's out there but there's also some larger organisations as well but at the end of the day we're all here because we love the industry and we love the business and we want to actually make a difference so my coming on board with CASA is very much about trying to work closely with industry um, I don't take the term stakeholder engagement lightly. I actually want to doing want to engage with industry and intend to engage with industry as much as I can. And you're right, is, um, you know, my first high level view of six weeks experience at CASA is that uh, there does need to be change in the way that the organisation is, is, is doing things. Uh, there is always going to be the regulator component to it. But at the end of the day, it's about having the right conversations at the right time. And those conversations have, Sometimes not been occurring. I would say most of the time they haven't been occurring, and that's something that we need to work on together. Um, I think importantly, I've got two near and present things that I need to be working on. One is to be able to introduce myself. Please, if you haven't had the opportunity, I'll be around here for the rest of the day. Um, I'm happy to have conversations and say hello to people. Importantly, though. There's an internal component of CAS which we're desperately working on very quickly. And Jeff spoke about that yesterday and it's been driven by Mark and now we have a new executive on board which I'm part of. And there's actually re-educating our people about what's important and reconnecting with industry and the way we actually go about making making rigs. Um, not making rigs for rig's sake, but actually understanding what the problem is that we're trying to fix and being able to actually address that. So long-winded way of saying I agree with you. Uh, looking forward to not so much the challenge, but the opportunity, because it is going to be an opportunity to do things differently. And obviously, without sort of you no know, blind wind, you know, where. very much enamoured and and um, you know, congratulations to the HIA for the work that you've been doing and your patience, because obviously past has tested the patience of many people. So um, judge us by or judge me by what I can and can't do. I'm one person that I can assure I'm going to have a bloody good grade.
1: It Rob's the face of the new fantastic. So, well uh, he's going to get annoyed as, uh, as when I first met uh, Rob yesterday I said check this face out because you can see a lot of it. So <clears throat> what my phone runs hot. I, I would spend three hours a day in my office at least on industry stuff and answering questions questions of people who are confused and have anxiety about where we we're going. Uh, feel free to ring me, I'll try and get your calls. Send me an email, Um, it's even better. (laughs) I'll try and get back to you. I can't deal with it all, we are a limited resource. However, we're passionate about making this association work. The association is the industry. It's the Australian helicopter industry association. And so it's your association, be part of it and contribute. We, we are, we do need more people, we need more people doing different things, so please, if you want to put your hand up, we, you'll be most welcome, won't they, Colin? <laughs> <laughs> Colin's part of the phone calls so we regularly hook up. Um, I guess it's probably important to open
3: up to questions now. we've got any questions? I've got a in. here. If I can borrow a couple of. Uh, my background is extensively regulatory control and standards, U.S. Army, and overseas forces, God knows what else. But I want to talk the importance of us being overwhelmed about so much to read, and it's to do with when NPRMs are issued that a lot of people must read it. Now, I've written a book on the Part 61. Casa guys have asked me not to launch it for a while because it's a bit dangerous. But one of the problems with the implementation of standardisation, I spent uh, what, three years the U.S. Army. You know, I don't know, six, seven years the standards, worked with the Air Force Standards for all those years. But you should never issue an instrument or a regulation without having worked through the boss. Think about a kindergarten, you teach your little kiddies to ride tricycles. You don't go and have some academic write the regulations about what they think a child should do on a bicycle. You need to go down and watch what the child does, and then work out the steps they're going to go through, and then go away and write the rules. We unfortunately had that situation happen here where the Part 61 came out written in Latin. The words we couldn't cross-check to the boss to see what it meant, and we sort of got confused and it was still going on. But my story is about you and your office when so something comes through for comment. This is a little meant to be a very little funny story, not criticising anybody, but it's worth listening to. Once upon a time in the Northern Territory, what happens today, there are about a dozen helicopters doing crocodile egg collecting. And they use R-44s. Each year they got to go to CAS and get their permits reissued. About two years ago or so, there was an appeals tribunal being formed, Norton White were involved, CAS were involved, and the operator involved, and we got involved. And the issue was they were demanding that piston-engine aircraft like R-44s were dangerous. I mean, less, less safe than the, uh, having a turbine machine. Now, I said to this guy who wasn't a, uh, an aviator, I said, do you realize you talked to the guy who ran the Robinson Safety Program in Australia for 10 years, I did 105 courses both here in the United States and New Zealand, I put 3,500 guys through it and I know every statistic on the Robinson's fleet back to front. And I can tell you a D-rated piston engine and a turbine engine, the failure rate is no different. Oh, but he said, uh, but I don't understand why, you've specified a turbine engine, and then you've got a factor of 20% taken off it for the hovering performance required to, catch, uh, to have the guy off the ground. Oh yes, he said. You know when you lose one magneto, you lose about 15% of your power? I said, well, I'm a maintenance test pilot, I know that. Well, we put in an extra fudge for CASA, we've made it 20%. So you're saying, you buy your gas turbine helicopter, you've got to take off a 20% hovering factor
1: in case you haven't made me that far away. Alright, but if, if there's any questions, Greg, if you want to grab them, but while, whilst you're thinking about those questions, I probably can't answer <laughs> Joanna, go. Um, Manual standards, is there any um, idea on when that's going to come out? I know it's been sitting in Gary Valley's drawer for the last six months. We finished that in September last year. Yeah. <coughs> and it's just, they're just, they're just... Yeah, it's going through legal, I believe. And, and the problem, the problem is actually we've given Castle a lot of grief because we brought in the one, we insisted on the 105-hour 105, 105 course, we brought back in, so that buggers the whole thing up. So it has to be rewritten. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of changes to 61. It's, yeah, you're right. The core document is now completed, right? So, um, where it's at, I don't know. Rob won't know because I don't think anyone from CASA would know the answer to that because it, but yes, we finished it, we cleaned it up. But it is really a good document now. Is it aligned with the RTO? Like, I know that Yes. There- Yes, Dan's been working with us all the way through. He's been all the teleconferences and all the meetings, Does yes. change it into real passive language?
4: Yeah. OK, so we don't have to sit down and um, write down the RTO and the MOZ and join them up or anything? Or is it still going to be some sort of alignment that needs
1: to be done? It should be completely aligned, that yeah. That's yeah. It's, it's my understanding. Yeah. I've been part of it, but there are people much better at it than I am. Um, but yes, it is that... Directly
4: on the RTA. It it is aligned with the AQRF system because I'm part of that committee, but we're waiting to see what happens happens when the revised MOS comes out. And one of the requests that I've made of CASA is that there be review dates, like the ARET cycle, when it can be rolled out. And if there's any changes, they can be done by that date, and then people know what date uh, the MOS is valid from. Um, so we have a cycle like that. So we're not sitting there, it, I, we all think it's ridiculous that they're waiting to do the whole of Moss release as opposed to get out what's there and that'll be the review date for the next one. That's my, just not happening. Yeah, that's my biggest frustration is that I know that when that new MOS is going to come out with the massive changes in the helicopter side of things, because yeah. it's was terrible, yeah. um, that... There is so much work having to rewrite all the services that we've got to change over to the new system. So that's it a as silvers- opposed to a staggered workload when yeah, it filters out. Yeah. Okay, We're yeah.
1: aware of so, it. Not that the yeah. John, and just... we can give you a draft of that. That that's not hard. If you want to see a draft of the current proposal, that would be a good thing. We, we can do that.
4: Things like one government and all that that we know has that's to be done. Sorry? <laughs> And then that was the other problem that CASA had with the revised MOSS, that um, I rewrote the low-level part of it. Mike Becker rewrote the low-level part of it. Not something that was, they had input from a lot of people that all said the same thing, mm. but it got to the stage where there was almost too much input where they've gone, well, OK, well, let's rewrite it and that sort of thing. Yeah.
1: You're right. The, the debate over a sentence goes for two hours. You know, with eight people in a room or in a teleconference, it's really difficult stuff to get out. Um, but it's great expertise, it's fantastic expertise, internally in cancer and in industry, and everyone's done a great job to clean that up. Yeah. It took a long time, it was over a year to do that. Well, we
4: had the
1: cellulophers last year yeah. and then, then Dan, so oh, it's just fantastic. But it's yeah, it's getting it out. That's like, As I said, it's like towing an iceberg. Yeah. You know, it really is a problem. It's something I want to take up as problem. We've got to push stuff out faster. And we've said that to all the senior managers of the castle Let's road, show, road test some stuff. Pick a company like yours, my job line say we'll drive you 142, as it is. Right, don't care. Let's do it. Do it for a year. Find out what does and doesn't work. Then that can be the template. Yeah, and help you. you know, it's, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, not tens. Yeah, It's really expensive stuff that really affects the industry.
4: Yeah,
1: ahead, and over 200,000, yeah. Well, look at There's half a million I can think of Yeah, without even trying. That's hmm. money down the drain. Got about uh, uh, five minutes or so left in our session here. we've got some uh, uh,
2: further thoughts from the floor, concepts, okay. ideas.
1: Well, what I will say is the policy from CASA. It's not really out there, it's not communicated. With your flight test ratio, you don't have to do one element flight. flight test, you can do multiple. So if you want to do someone's flight review for their night rating, for their low level, for their class rating, do them all in one flight. And that doesn't have to be three flights. If you're a flying instructor, and you want to conduct a flight review, it does not have to be done under the banner of a school as long as you don't conduct any training in that flight. People don't, aren't quite aware of that. However, CASA want the flight review, this is the intent of the flight review, from management. Don't worry about the Somali warlords in your local region. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> yeah. What, what CASA really wants from the senior management level is that a flight review is an opportunity to correct any skill phase, so it really should be a training opportunity. So if you're flying with someone, you're a senior person, flying an instructor, flying with a pilot, who might lead to the water, and power control failures, whatever it is that they want, they might have an insecurity about something, will do those exercises. So, make it a training opportunity. It's not a, uh, a pass fail. Flight review is not a pass fail like a and flight review, if you like. It's an opportunity to increase someone's skills or help them out. So, turn it into a positive, not negative. <laughs> right, well, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, round of applause, please.
0: That was something a bit different, and it was captured on the fly, but I hope that you've found it interesting and an insight into some of the Australian industry challenges here in the the first half of 2016. A shout-out to the team at the Australian Helicopter Industry Association, though, for what was a a pretty good event running Rototech this weekend. I had a, a really good time and looking forward to being able to get back to the next Rototech Expo in 2017.